If you would, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, please. Philippians chapter 4. So we're believing, believe with me for utterance. The Bible says that utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. Paul said, pray that utterance may be given so that I may speak boldly and make known the mysteries of God. So that's the flow of the Holy Spirit through me to you is affected by your faith, you believing. So as you're sitting there, I want you to actively believe God that he is going to speak to you, directly to you. Like I said, he can bypass me and speak something to you that I didn't even say. And that's what, we, that's what we want. I want him to be seen. I want him to be glorified. Philippians 4, in verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Everybody say, let your request be made known unto God. It, you know, I was ministering this one time, and someone after the service came up to me, and they were with tears in their eyes, and they said, you know, I've never asked the Lord specifically for anything. And after hearing the things that we were talking about, she began to understand that the Lord wants you to ask him for things. It's okay. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 11, you being evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, who has kids in here? Who, who's a parent in here? Right, don't you want your children to have good things? Doesn't it bring you joy? I mean, Christmas is right around the corner, right? It, it will bring you joy when you see them opening up the gifts and they're excited, it's what they wanted. Well, the Bible says you being evil, when it's talking about evil, not, not meaning necessarily that you're a bad person, but just natural you know, not perfect like he is. It says, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those that ask? So you have to ask. He'll, it says, how much more? Like I heard one preacher said, have you ever shouted about how much more? Many times I've said, oh, how much more? That means he's a good dad. So you got to get that in your spirit. He's your father. He's not just God. He's your dad. He's your father, God. He's your father. And he the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Right? He wants you to ask him. The Bible says whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them. And you shall have them. So you have to ask the Lord. You just can't go through life and say whatever the Lord wants, that's what I'll have. Well, that's what you'll have because you're not being specific. You have to go to the Lord. You have to ask him. He is a good father. He is a good father. So it says, don't be careful for nothing. That means don't worry, don't fret, don't have any anxiety. But in everything by prayer. And so instead of that, what do you do? You thank the Lord, you pray, and you let your requests be made known to him. So Paul is speaking here. And he, he's talking to the Philippian church, and he's thanking him. He's showing his appreciation because they ministered to him and gave into his ministry. And then if you skip on down to verse 19, verse 19, and he says, But my God shall supply 
all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now it says he'll meet your needs according to his riches. I want us to get revelation tonight about his riches. His riches. See, his riches are unlimited. That word riches has to do with abundance. Has to do with plenty. Has to do with more than enough. His riches are unlimited. Your Father God's resources are unlimited. Say, my, father's God, my Father God's resources are unlimited. See, we really don't have a good grasp of what that means. We need revelation. We need mind renewal of what that means. And I, I've been praying the Lord, Lord, show me how unlimited you are. Because everything down here in this earth is limited. Everything that we see is limited. Right? You, you put gas in your car, it only lasts for a limited time. You know, we just, they just have Black Friday, right? And you go to the store. I don't do Black Friday shopping, but I see it on TV and people get crazy. And so what happens is they have a certain amount of items. This is the, the thing that everybody wants, right? So everybody lines up. Everybody is waiting for the doors to open. They run in and they go and snatch it up. And then there's that one item that's left. Only one box is left. And then it always happens where two moms grab it at the same time. And then they start fighting each other. And then they're on the news or on social media. Well, that's because that store had a limited supply. But our Father God does not have a limited supply. He is unlimited. Somebody say unlimited. Unlimited. He's unlimited. And he's your Father God. See, I could do something for you, but I'm limited. You know, if you needed something, I could do something for you, but I'm limited. Or somebody you know could do something for you, for you but they're limited. So it would be foolish. It would be not wise to get your eyes on me because I'm limited. I'm just a man. But your Father God is unlimited. Say unlimited. We want to get a revelation of unlimited tonight. Unlimited. See... We hear these scriptures and what we're, what we're endeavoring, what we're believing God. You're believing God with me, right? You're in faith right now that he is going to speak to you and open your eyes, right? See, we hear these scriptures all the time, but we need revelation. We want to see things that we haven't seen before. It's not, it's not okay just to read the same scriptures and say, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Glory, hallelujah, amen. What does that mean? Are we just supposed to hear that and say amen, and how do we tap into that? How do we tap into his limitlessness? How do we tap into his resources? You know, the enemy likes to do, uh, what's the best way to say this? He likes to always pressure you and make you fear that you're going to run out. Anybody ever felt that? Right, we all have, right? He tries to bring that fear that you're not going to make it. You know, you're going to run out. You're not going to have enough money at the end of this month. You're not going to be able to do that. You're not, the Lord might have provided for you 20,000 times before. But the next time, you're not going to be able to make it. You're not going to have enough for retirement. Or you're going to run out of your retirement before you die. You're not going to be able to pay that car note. 
You're not going to be able to pay your rent. The enemy likes to bring those fears and those thoughts to you. You know, one thing that I noticed that, that the Lord showed me is that the enemy is always wanting you to look forward at something you do not know. But with God, he requires you to look backwards at his faithfulness in order for you to move forward. The Bible says, the Bible says in Hebrews 11.11 11, that Sarah, you guys know Sarah and Abraham? The promised child, Isaac, they were believing for years when she was already an old lady. And the Bible says that Sarah received strength to conceive seed and delivered a child because she judged him faithful. She judged him faithful, that promise. That means she had to look back. That means she had to look back at what the Lord did for her and what the Lord has already done for them. Because initially she laughed when she heard that they were going to have a child. When, they heard, when she heard that she, in her old age, was going to have a baby, she laughed. But she got in faith. See, you might have started off wrong, not believing God. But you can look back. Look back at what he's done for you. Look back at all the times that he's brought you out, that he's provided for you, that he's healed you. You look back. And then when you look back, and you judge him faithful. He said, yes, he did that for me. He healed my child. He paid my rent. He delivered me. He saved me when I was on my way to hell. You look back at his faithfulness, and that enables you to move forward in faith. But your father God is unlimited. Somebody say unlimited. Let's go, go with me to... Let's see here. Psalms 23, please. Psalm 23. A familiar scripture. You guys there? Psalm 23? It says this. The Lord is my shepherd, so I'm probably going to run out. Is that what it says? Okay. I'm just making sure you guys read. What does it say? You what? I shall not want. What does that mean? I will not lack. And that's why I said that before, because the devil always tries to bring thoughts that you're going to run out, that you're not going to have enough. But what kind of shepherd would he be if he let you run out? If you are following him and he's your shepherd and you're not just some type of independent sheep who wants to do their own thing, but you are literally following the Lord... He says, you're not going to run out. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not run out. It says, he leads me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup is only a quarter full. No, no, it runs over. That's because he's unlimited. He keeps pouring and pouring, and you're like, why are you keep pouring? Because I just got so much, that's why, he says. <laughs> Surely goodness and mercy, they could follow me 
I said they could follow me if I grew up in the right neighborhood. Surely goodness and mercy could follow me if I had the right parents. Surely goodness and mercy could follow me if I was the right color. No, it says surely goodness and mercy will follow me. The reason why I say that is because people always want to blame somebody else or blame their circumstances. But this says goodness and mercy will follow you. Will follow you all the days of your life. It's not dependent on your race. It's not dependent on your background or your education. None of that matters. What matters is that the Lord is your shepherd and that he's your father and that you're looking to him. Right? Well, brother, only two out of ten Hispanics ever own their own home. Well, glory to God, I'll be one of those two. I'll be one of those two. I will, the reason why I say that is because I was looking at some statistics the other day. And they were talking all about, about Hispanics and blacks. And it listed a bunch of different statistics. And it was trying to be negative. But I don't believe that. Because I don't choose to be a victim. Because I have a good father. And I have a good daddy. I'm not going to allow government and politicians tell me that other people are more privileged than me. That's not true. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the Most High God. We all have the same Father God. All of us. That means we all have the same provider. We all have the same provider. So if you are looking to that and determining what you can do, then your eyes are on yourself and not on the Lord. And we just got through reading about the Lord being your provider, right? About his unlimited supply. So don't believe these lies. Listen to me, people. Don't believe the lies that you have to live some subservient life, that you have to beg and always look to somebody else. Don't believe that. That's a bunch of junk. They want you to believe that. Don't believe that. Believe the Lord. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's good, isn't it? You know, now we can't think that we know this. It's it's not the knowers of the word that get results, okay? You can be in church all your life, but it's not what you know. You can have a head full of knowledge. You can know scripture after scripture and be able to encourage somebody else. But what are you doing? Are you doing the word? See, this word that I'm saying to you, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not up here to entertain you. I'm not up here to put a show on. Ministry is not entertainment. It's to help you. These, there's answers in the word of God. This is stuff that I, we are endeavoring to live our life by. So I'm not just up here just saying something that sounds good so that you can shout and say amen. I want you to leave tonight knowing that you have a good dad, that you have a good father who wants more for you than what you've been experiencing. But there's, there's a reason why we're not experiencing what we should be experiencing. Yeah. 
You know, if you see something in the Word of God, I mean, there's so many wonderful things, so many miracles that you see in the Word of God, and then you hear about it in other people's lives. If just because you're not experiencing that doesn't mean that it's not true and that it's not available for you. You know, what you want to do is say, Lord, I have not seen this in my life, but I want to see it. And by faith, I will see it. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to see this in my life. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see he's good. There is, there is no lack to those that fear him. When it's talking about fearing him, it's talking about those that are going to honor, respect, and then obey him. There's no lack. So when, you're, when you are experiencing lack, you want to check. Here, here's what you do. When you are experiencing something that is not in the Bible, for example, when you're experiencing something that is less than what you can have, you don't want to point your finger at God. You want to ask, Lord, what, where am I missing it? What, what do I need to do? Show me, Father. Show me where, if I've missed you, show me where. If I need to take a step of faith, show me how. Show me where I've been missing it. Not, not pointing your finger at God. He's not the problem. God is on your side. Right? God and the devil are not working together. <laughs> They're not working together to keep you down. So you want to ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that I need to do? What is it that I need to obey you in? Did I miss you somewhere? That's where you always start. You ask the Lord. You know, go with me to uh, Numbers 11, please. Numbers 11. You kind of get to where I've been trying to get to. He's unlimited, unlimited. Now, in Numbers 11, the, uh, the first generation of Israelites were delivered from Egypt, and they've been eating manna, okay? They've been eating manna for every meal, manna pancakes, <laughs> manna sandwiches, manna stew, manna pie, and they're tired of manna. They're like, we're tired of this manna, and they begin to complain to Moses, you guys heard that story? They begin to complain to Moses. And, it, and they're, I mean, they went brain dead or something because they're like, in Egypt, when we were slaves, we had fish and onions and, and leeks and whatever those are. I'm, we don't really eat leeks, I guess, in the Puerto Rican diet. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, they begin to complain to the Lord about, or to Moses about all this stuff that they were missing out on back in Egypt when they were slaves. Now they're free people, but they want to go back to slavery. The Lord was very annoyed with them. But anyway, so they wanted meat. They're like, we're tired of this manna every day. Manna, manna, manna. It was literally falling from the sky. They go pick it up, and they're complaining about it. Miracles being happening right before their eyes. So Moses, he goes to the Lord about it. And this is what the Lord says in verse 18. He says, tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. When you will eat meat, the Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. 
You will not eat it just for one day or two days or five, 10 or 20 days, 20 before a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and you have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? But Moses said, here I am among six, this is Moses' response, listen to this. Here I am among 600,000 men on foot and you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month, 20, uh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the verse number. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? Now think about this. Moses is questioning the Lord. He's questioning the Lord. And this is what the Lord said. The Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not, whether I say I will, what I say will come true for you. After everything Moses saw, he questioned the Lord's ability. I mean, he, think about this. He saw a burning bush. The Lord speaking to him in a burning bush. He, he went to Egypt and saw the ten plagues. I mean, the, the water, the river turned to blood. He saw dust turn to lice. He saw pitch black darkness in three days in Egypt. But over the children of Israel, it was light. I mean, he saw all these miracles. He saw the water, the Red Sea, uh, basically come up and he just walk across on dry land with all the children of Israel. He saw a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. The Lord used that to lead them out in the wilderness, out of Egypt. I mean, he saw manna coming from the sky to feed them. And, he's, and he questioned the Lord how he was going to do this, how he was going to do this. That's why I said the enemy always wants you to look forward about something you don't know. He wants you to look at what you don't know. Don't focus on what you don't know. Because if you focus on what you don't know, you become very dark in your mind. Because you don't know what you don't know. So don't focus on what you don't know. <laughs> it's very simple. When you're, in, when you're thinking about what you don't know, it, the Bible says this, in his light, we see light. So you stay in what you know, what you know the Bible says about your situation. And when you stay in that, when you say, I don't know in the natural how this is going to work out. But I do know that the Bible says that if I seek him first and his righteousness, that all these things will be added unto me. All the things that the world is seeking after. All the things that you need. So you stay in the light, you stay in his light, and he'll bring more light to you. When you stay in darkness, when you focus on darkness, that's what you're going to have. And actually, you become unthankful. You become unthankful. And the Bible says in Romans 1.21 that because they were unthankful, they knew God, but they glorified him not as God. And because of that, they were unthankful, they became darker in their understanding. When you are unthankful, you actually become dumb. You become dumb. You just don't know. We, you know, this is actually going on right now in our culture and generation. We have a bunch of people that are unthankful. They, they're entitled for, for I don't know what. They think they're entitled to. 
just because they were born, they think that people owe them everything. And because of that, they're not seeing clear. They're crazy and confused. That's not supposed to be the children of God. That's not supposed to be us. Don't ever get unthankful with the Lord. Don't ever focus on what you don't know. Focus on what you know. Focus on what you know, and you know his word. So we can't think that we're not susceptible to what Moses did, to this that, you know, if Moses, after all he saw, limited God, we can limit God. It actually says this in the Amplified, that same verse. The Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's hand, ability, power limited? Another version, easy to read, says, don't limit my power. Somebody say, don't limit my power. Or let's say it this way, don't limit God's power. So we know God is not limited. He is unlimited. Say, my father is unlimited. So like I said, are we just supposed to know this all our lives that, man, God, he will supply all my needs and he's unlimited and, and he can do anything and he's big and he's amazing and we're just supposed to shout about that in church and but leave and then reality kicks in. How do we tap into that? How do we tap into just knowing that? What's holding us back from experiencing his limitlessness? Well, there's two deciding factors. The, the verse said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. So it's his ability, his resources, but it's in connection with our faith. So it's going to be according to his riches in connection with your faith. Okay? And all of our faith is at different levels. Right? Jesus said to some, oh, you of little faith. And then he said to others, how is it that you have no faith? And then he said to other, uh, about other situations, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. He, was, he said this to people that weren't even following him daily. This was not about his disciples. So all of our, all of our faith is at different levels. Everyone in here, I don't know everybody's faith level, but everybody's faith is at a different level. So that is the determining factor. It's not God's ability. We don't receive according to God's ability. Did you hear me? Many times Jesus said to people, according to your faith, be healed. According to your faith, it'll be done to you. He didn't say according to my power. He didn't say according to my ability. He didn't say I'm the son of God and I'm going to prove it to you. And you will be healed because I'm such a special child of God. He didn't say that. He said, according to your faith. So it's going to be according to his ability in connection with your faith. Say that according to his ability in connection with my faith. You know, this, this is helping us because I want to, it's been a heart cry of mine personally to know God for myself. Not, when I say know God, I, yes, I mean know him personally and intimately, but see the things that they're seeing, that they, it's available in the Bible. 
the, these miracles. I want to see these things for myself. I don't want to just read about it. I want to experience it myself. And in doing that, the Lord will have you step out in faith, obey him and trust him. You know, Pastor mentioned that my wife and I um, moved to Florida. It's been about, what, five and a half years now, right? And, um, you know, it wasn't an easy thing. You know, everybody wants to move to Florida, but we had no intentions of moving to Florida. We weren't dreaming about moving to Florida or anything like that. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like warm weather. Um, and I'll probably go to the beach when I get back, but... <laughs> I'm just kidding. But... Um, <laughs> We don't, that's actually, we don't do that, right? We, I mean, we go when people come and visit, we'll take them to the beach, but we're not just at the beach every weekend. I know people think you live in Florida, that's what you do. No, we, we went there to obey God. But in doing that, we had to take a step of faith. The Lord asked us to go there. We didn't know why we were going necessarily. We didn't know what he had for us. Actually, I remember getting there and us thinking, what in the world, are, what am I doing here? You know, I, I kind of felt out of place, like we didn't belong. And, um, but if it's the Lord, you don't have to know why. You just have to trust and you just have to obey him. But even, even us getting down there, the Lord had to work some supernatural things out. Because we both worked a secular job. We both worked full-time jobs. And uh, we made a decision, we're going. No matter what, we're going. You know, whether we have a job or not. And when we got down there, or even before we got down there, the Lord supernaturally worked it out. We were able to get down there. And when we got down there, the Lord told me that she, my wife, is not supposed to work. Now, we're going to a place where the cost of living is higher than here. And the Lord says... She's not supposed to work. Now, in the natural, that seems really foolish. Like, how are you going to raise your cost of living and decrease your income? It doesn't compute. It doesn't calculate. But if the Lord is your source and he is your supplier and you obey him and you do what he says, he's going to provide but that is not, that's easier said than done. I mean, it didn't take me long to say that and even less time for you to shake your head and agree. <laughs> but your mind is telling you, no, that's stupid. No, that's crazy. But I remember sitting here in Milwaukee looking out the window of my job one day and the word of the Lord kept coming back to me. If you don't do this, you always look back and wonder what if. Why not I? Why was I too afraid? Because we left our security blanket. We left all of our connections. We left everything that we knew. Our family is here. We weren't going to a place where we had family. We didn't have any connections or anything like that. We didn't know what we were going to be necessarily doing. So it's easier to say, Oh, yeah, go, yeah, do that. Step out and obey God. And everybody shouts. But are you really going to do that? Are you really going to overcome the fears and say, 
no matter what, God, I trust you. See, God has to become real to you. He has to become real to you. Not just somebody that you talk about, but he is somebody that you know. And what I found is that you get to know him better when you do obey him. Because then he reveals himself more to you. And you say, okay, Lord, I see that. I see what you're doing. I see how faithful you've been. Like Sarah, you can look back and you can see he's been faithful to me. He's been faithful to us. And he has been. He has, he's provided for, we've never been behind, right? We've never been behind. I'm not, I'm not making that up, am I? We've never been behind. We've, we've always been able to pay our bills. I'm not saying that there's not been challenges or anything like that, but I'm saying that the Lord is faithful, that his word is true. And if you trust him, he will come through for you. See, too many times we're looking at man's ability. We're looking at what we can do. We're looking at the arm of flesh. But man is limited. I'm limited. If I would have just focused on what we can do, I mean, I remember one time on a way to service, you, you know, we're driving here, two faith builders. It was on a Thursday night. You remember? I don't know if you know what I'm going to say. I can't barely see you. But <laughs> um, we were driving here, and I looked over at my wife. It was quiet in the car because all these thoughts, you know, we weren't saying anything to each other, but thoughts are running through our head. How's this going to work? How's that going to work? What about this? And what about that? Like I told you, the enemy brings all these thoughts. And I looked at my wife, and tears were coming down her eyes. And, and, but, we, but we looked at each other, and we made a decision. We're going all the way with God. We're not going to turn back. And uh, that night, actually, Pastor had a word for us. And he didn't know that we were dealing with that, but the Lord just encouraged us and just basically confirmed, again, what we were doing was the will of God. And uh, I said all that to say that it's not easy on your mind or on your flesh. And there are going to be thoughts. There are going to be questions and fears that come up. But none of that matters. None of that matters. The word of the Lord is true. And if he told you to do something, you can do it. You know, let me just say this about faith. We shout and scream about faith and say, oh, yeah, faith. We can have anything by faith. Faith is real simple. Faith is, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But we, we, we hear that and we skip over that a lot. So your faith does come by hearing. But how does your hearing come? One translation says it comes by hearing the anointed word or the anointed one. So you ever had that time where you've maybe read a verse or a scripture? You read it 100,000 times maybe. And then you read it or somebody else read it. You were in a service and it became alive. You heard it. The anointed word was on it. And faith came. See, you cannot have faith for something until you hear from God. Faith comes by hearing from God. That's the way I like to say it. 
Because what you either hear from God in his word or you hear from God through an anointed word, through your pastor, through a minister. And when you hear it, you can tell because it's life-giving. It gives you life. The Bible talks about the, the word, the, the spirit is life-giving. The flesh doesn't have no profit. You ever, you ever hear somebody maybe rattle off a scripture and it's, eh, eh, it's dead. But then you hear it and life comes inside of you. And it gives you faith. It gives you encouragement. You just heard from God. It was not just flesh. You heard from the Lord. And that's how faith comes. So it is a very important thing that if you are, if you are needing something in your life, that you get in the word of God and you find scriptures. If you have to read it a thousand times, you stay focused on it until you get it, in, until faith comes up in you. Until it's not just something that you read, it's something that now I heard from God. I heard from the Lord. But I was saying that man's ability is limited. So it would be foolish to get our eyes on man, because man is limited. Man is limited. Turn to 1 Corinthians 10 with me, please. 1 Corinthians 10. Praise God. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 5. It says, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and 20,000. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them and neither murmur as some of them. Now, verse 11, now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition or our example or warning upon whom the ends of the world are come. So the things that happened that I talked about with Moses, with the children of Israel, the first generation, these were written for our example. This is a New Testament verse. And what happened in the Old Testament, see, faith works exactly the same as it did in the Old Testament as it does today, okay? Faith works exactly the same. Just like Abraham stepped out and he had to obey God, not knowing where he was going, not sure what's ahead, faith works that way today. It hasn't changed because we're in a, you know, this dispensation of grace, Faith works exactly the same. And one of the things the children of Israel did, that first generation, is they kept getting their eyes off of the Lord and onto men. They kept wanting to go back to where they were dependent on man. They kept wanting to go back to where it was easy and they could look to man and they could depend on man. When I say look to man, I'm, I, do you know what I mean by that? I don't mean... They're looking at them and just staring in, in a you know, gaze or daydreaming. I mean, they're looking to them, expecting from them. Their hope is in man. Their expectation is in man. Their faith is in man. 
They kept wanting to go back to where they could put their faith in man. Now, it's no different today. Many believers... Can you hear me? Okay. Sorry. Many believers today are still wanting to put their faith and their eyes on man. But that, that's a dream killer. That's a promise robber. That's a vision stealer that all your life you have to look to a man, that all your life you have to be dependent on a man. That is not the way for a child of God. That is not our way. That is not what God wants for us. Our Father God is unlimited, and he has a limited supply. But we can actually, the Bible says that they limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God. Did you know that you can limit God in your life? You can limit God. How do you limit God? I've been talking about it. Getting your eyes off of him and onto man. See, many people want to shout about how big God is and what he can do. But when bills come due on Monday and they're getting calls from creditors and bill collectors, people begin to look to people. They begin to look to other people they know that may be able to do something for them. They begin to put pressure on someone they know to do something for them. But when you do that, you are taking your eyes off the Lord. And then you immediately become subservient to what they can do. And their ability is limited. What, they, what somebody else can do is limited. Man is limited. Man does not have what you need. Man does not have what you need. So we can limit God in our lives by looking to man. Jeremiah 17.5 says, you guys be believing with me still? You're in faith? Thus says the Lord, curse be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm. That means you're looking to them. You're putting your confidence in them and their strength and their ability. It says, and whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness. This is talking about the person who trusts in man. It says, you'll be in a salt land and not inhabited. But the, this is the person that looks to the Lord. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he will be as a tree planted by the waters that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes, but her leaf shall be green, and it shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. See, the person that is looking to man, looking away from the Lord, they're not going to see the blessings of the Lord. They're not going to see from God. This word here, cursed, says, cursed be the man that trusts in man. That, not, that's not the not same word curse that we've been redeemed from the curse of law. That's not that word curse. That actually means the Lord detests that. It annoys him. He's not in that way. He's not in that path. So when you're looking to man, he's not there. He's not showing up. 
And it says, when you do that, your your heart departs from the Lord. You are departing from the Lord. Remember that phrase. In Hebrews 3.7, you can turn there if you like. Hebrews 3.7, because I want you to see this. It says, wherefore, Hebrews 3.7, I'm reading from the King James. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Everybody say, harden not your hearts. As in the day of provocation, in the, t- in the day of temptation in the wilderness, the day of pro- in the provocation, that, was, that has to do with them provoking the Lord in the wilderness. They provoked him to anger. They provoked the Lord to anger by their unbelief. That's what this is getting ready to say here. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. They weren't going to experience his rest. They weren't going to get into the promised land. And it says this. This is is New Testament. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. The Lord calls unbelief evil. Because what is unbelief? Unbelief is when you're looking to man. Unbelief is when you're looking at your own ability. Unbelief is walking by sight and not walking by faith. He said, take heed, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You see that phrase again, departing from the living God. When you're walking by sight, You are literally removing yourself from the path of God in that situation. You're not following your good shepherd. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see that? If you are departing from the Lord, where is your miracle going to come from? If you are departing from the Lord, where is your breakthrough coming from? And that happens when you get your eyes on man. That happens when you get your eyes on what you can do, your ability. When I'm saying man, that includes you. That includes what you can do, right? Man. It says, in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast in the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts, as in, the day, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Mo- Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom he swore that they should not enter into his rest, but, that, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Unbelief will keep us from getting into, it will cut us off literally from the grace of God. Because everything down here is the grace of God. Everything that you can receive from God is, is the grace of God. The grace of God, real simple, is just a gift. It's his gift. The air you're breathing is, a grace of, is the grace of God. That you're in your right mind, that's just the grace of God. That you woke up this morning, it's just the grace of God. 
that you're saved and born again. It's just the grace of God that your needs have been met and that you have been healed and that you have been provided for. It's just all the grace of God. So we can take no credit for it. But we do access it by faith. We do access it by faith. And looking to man, demanding from man, getting your eyes on what they can do, can literally cut you off from the grace of God. And the thing about looking to man is that just because somebody has ability and somebody has connections, they could be gone tomorrow. Their resources and their ability could be gone tomorrow. They could die, right? It's kind of like the, the parable of the rich fool. Jesus tells a parable about the rich fool. Uh, he, he had a huge harvest come in, a huge crop, and he had so much. He said, what am I going to do with this? He said, I know. I'll tell, tear down these little barns, and I'll build bigger barns, right? And then he said, I'll eat and drink and be married, and I'll relax. And the Lord said, you fool. This night, your soul will be required of you. So, I mean, no, it's foolish to get your eyes on somebody that can die. That's a mortal man. No, we were just talking to somebody not too long ago. Am I running? Am I good on time? <laughs> I'm getting the, 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 the time thing here. But um, <laughs> we were just talking to somebody recently that they, they're an investor, a real estate investor. They had nine properties demolished in a tornado or hurricane or something like that. Nine properties. Completely lost them all. And they, the way they had it set up was not all of them had insurance. And so your ability and what you can do, putting your trust in what you can do, can be gone just like that. So it would be foolish to get your eyes on what you can do. Amen? We want to get our eyes on the Lord. Because he can do way beyond what you know. Way beyond your ability. Amen? Let's see here. Oh, I am over. Um, let me see how to end this. I don't want to just leave you like that. You're believing with me, right? <laughs> um, that time went by pretty quick. Psalms 118. It says, it is, verse 8 through 9, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better trust, to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Princes are somebody you think have ability. Princes are somebody you think can do something for you. The Lord said it's better to put your trust in me than put your confidence in them. See, we need to do this in our families, in our marriages. Let me, let me tell you a story. We, this is something we're endeavoring to teach our children, that they don't have to look to their mom and dad as their providers, as their sources, as their ultimate supplier. We've, they've believed God for things um, that we necessarily weren't sure if we wanted for them. They were, my daughter was believing for a dog. When we moved down to Florida, the Lord gave them a dog. And we weren't sure, you know, we kind of wanted a dog, but we weren't sure if we were ready for one. 
And looking back, we probably would have never been ready unless the Lord gave her one. But now, you know, obviously we, we like dogs. Um, but our son, our son Alejandro, he, you know, he's 19 now. But when he was 16, he wanted, you know, what any young man wants. They wanted a car. And he wanted a sports car. And we told him, you know, believe God. And he'll provide the sports car for you. You know, he'll, he'll do that. And so he set his faith to believe the Lord, look to the, looking to the Lord. Not looking to mom and dad, but looking to the Lord. And he had some money saved up. He, he worked a job and had saved some money. And, and, uh, and then people started blessing him. They'd come up to him, give him $100, said, and they say, here, this is for your car. They didn't know he was believing for a car, but they knew he was 16, you know. So this is for your car. So that happened to him, I don't know how many times, at least a dozen times, right? Um, and then one day, I, get a, I go to the mailbox to get the mail, and there was an envelope, and it was addressed to me. I opened it up, and it was a check for $500 to me. And I was like, Wow. Praise the Lord. I didn't know what it was for. So I called this individual and I thanked him. I said, man, praise. And I had, this person lives, he's in another country. And so um, I hadn't talked to him recently or I hadn't told him anything about my son or anything like that. And he said, I don't, I asked him, well, what is this about? He said, I was praying and the Lord said something about a car. You believe him for a car or something like that? And I said, not me, but our son is. I mean, we're believing with him. And he's like, well, I guess that's what it's for. It's like, praise God. So we, we, tell, we tell our son he's excited about it. So he had $500 more for a car. So we go out looking for a car, and we were going to give him some money, too, we, you know, towards his car. We didn't necessarily tell him that, or, you know, but we were going to do that. And so we started looking for a car, and we, we found a car that we thought we would, we would like, but... It wasn't, I didn't feel right in my spirit about it. I was like, eh, this is not the one. It had really low miles. It was a sports car. But I just couldn't get a release. I just couldn't get that go-ahead. So, you know, he was a little disappointed about it. But we waited. And so time passed by. You know, time will try your trust. If you're really in faith about something or not. When time goes by, when a month or two or three or four or five or six or a year or eight years or ten years goes by. That really shows if you believe the word of the Lord. And so anyway, and for a 16-year-old boy, you know, five months can seem like an eternity. So five months went by, and I get a text, and I had told my friend, I said, I'll keep you posted. I'll send you pictures of the car. He said, hey, did, your, uh, did you guys find a, a car for your son yet? I said, no, but I'll keep you, I'll, I'll let you know, I'll keep you posted, I'll send you pictures, you know, don't worry, you know. And he said, okay, great, because my wife and I, we want to sew another $5,000. I said, whoa. Uh, I, I text him back, is this a typo? Because $5,000, that's quite a big chunk. He said, yeah, he spelled it out, yes, F-I-V-E thousand dollars. <laughs> I show my wife, man, she, we just praise the Lord. Our son praised the Lord. And you know what that does? That puts confidence in him. 
that we didn't do this. Mom and dad didn't do it. Grandma and grandpa didn't do it. He didn't beg anybody. He didn't put pressure on anybody to do anything. The Lord is his provider. The Lord is his source. I mean, no, that's something that he can remember, that he can look back on and say the Lord was faithful. Nobody, I didn't tell anybody I'm believing for a car. You know, actually, we didn't even know what kind of car he was believing for, what color and the things like that. But we found a Mustang. And it was the exact color that he wanted. I actually found it online, and it was at a, a dealer, uh, the car dealer um, was uh, at a place where a friend of mine works. Isn't that something? And so he was able to give us a good deal on it. He got blessed. My son got blessed. We're all blessed. We're praising the Lord, shouting, because we put our eyes on the Lord. And he's our source. He's who we depend on. The Bible says this. Let me just say this. Whoever you look to in a time of crisis reveals who your faith is in. Whoever you look to in a time of need reveals who your faith is in. Second Chronicles 20.12 says, this is Jehoshaphat when the armies were coming against him. He says, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Today, maybe you're facing a situation where you don't know what you're going to do, where you're, you don't know how you're going to make it out. You have an unlimited Father God. And with him, nothing catches him off guard. Nothing is too big for him. Nothing is too difficult for the Father God. 